Welcome back, everyone. We have a lot to get into. We had some news over the weekend. A lot of news, in fact, on one of my biggest holdings, which is Apple. Apple's still the top holding right now because it's had a lot of gains. I'm currently at $54,000 in this company, with 19500 of it being gains. Now, Apple had their Apple event, where they introduced all their new devices with their small iterative changes. Changes like the dynamic island. Now that little notch at the top of the screen, it's actually useful. It can actually do some things. These little changes to many are being mocked. Like Apple's not innovating, the company's reached a plateau, it's not going anywhere, all these type of flat arguments. I'm just gonna say it right here. The commentary that I hear from the majority of investors are wrong on Apple. They're simply wrong. They believe the company has plateaued, it's hit a peak, it doesn't have much room for growth. Apple's just an older company that's matured and it doesn't really have anywhere to go from here. These comments from investors saying that Apple has already matured and it has nowhere else to go is missing the forest from the trees. They're missing the main picture here and why this company eventually will get to over $200 per share. So in this video, I'll be laying out the case of why Apple will get above $200 a share. Now, I also just recently had some big news. Vici raised their dividend by 8%. I'll be giving my thoughts on that as Vici is one of the biggest holdings in my portfolio. In fact, right now it's my second largest holding. So I'll be going over this dividend raise news and letting you know what I think of it. And then we also have the subject of inflation to go over. Tomorrow, the CPI readings from August are gonna come out. And that will dominate the news cycle for the rest of the week. Everyone will be talking about inflation. Now, the news media takes a very short-term view on this subject. They say falling gas prices are raising hopes that inflation is slowing down. That's the news right now. Inflation might be coming down. So what do you know? The market right now is going up. This is how myopic the market is in the short term. The news media is focused on day by day, week by week, and month by month. They're not focused on a multi-year period. They don't take an eagle-eyes view on anything. But on the Joseph Carlson show, we do take an eagle-eyes view. If we go back five months, I came out with a video that was kind of a contrarian video. Most people at the time were worried about inflation going up and up and up because at the time it was only going up. And I came out with a video saying that we hit peak inflation. We already hit it and inflation's going to go down, here's why. And I wanna go revisit that case because I think this video will prove to be correct. So as always, we have a lot to jump into in this episode. Let's go ahead and start off with a quick portfolio update and then we'll jump into the Apple news. Now, this is my portfolio, the passive income account. It has $366,000 of value, $43,000 in gains, and it is a dividend growth portfolio. So a decent part of the overall returns is going to be the compounding effect of these great companies paying me dividends and then these dividends being reinvested into sometimes different companies that offer better value but are also dividend paying companies. That's the compounding life cycle of this portfolio. Great companies that pay dividends, the dividends buy more shares of different great companies that pay dividends. Now, one of the most important companies in this portfolio is Apple. And Apple had their major event last week. And I wanna jump in and give my quick take on this event. The first thing that I wanna say is that investors on Apple the majority of investors that I see cover this stock and commentate on this stock and different people on Reddit and Twitter and social media and YouTube, most of them are wrong. They're dead wrong on Apple and they're missing the forest from the trees. They focus on these little things like this thing right here, this island that changes and now it's dynamic and they mock it saying that Apple's no longer an innovative company. It's just doing these little incremental iterative adjustments to its phone and it's basically flattened out. 
There's no room for the phone to mature or grow anymore at this point. Investors' commentary on the Apple Watch Ultra, this new, more rugged, big, extreme Apple Watch, was just as erroneous. Investors looked at this and said, who would pay $800 for a, a rugged Apple Watch? And this isn't as good as the Garmin or name on. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Some other extreme watch that's been doing it for a while longer. They're doing these direct comparisons from watch to watch. Investors are looking at this all wrong. I heard a lot of the same chatter around the Apple AirPod Pro 2s, that even though they have a new case and you can track the case, it has better charging, uh, better noise canceling, all these little iterative adjustments, most investors' takeaway is that this wasn't that impressive of an event. There wasn't anything that blew them away and that Apple's not really innovating at the same pace that they used to. The company is matured. It's kind of washed up at this point. Apple's no longer the innovative, young, iconic company that they used to be. And many investors, in their series of incorrect assumptions, go so far as to say that Apple shouldn't be trading at $160 per share. It shouldn't be trading at a 24 PE ratio. The company should be knocked back down to a 15 PE, back down to $100 per share. All of this is wrong investors here are wrong on Apple. And I'll lay out and explain very clearly why they're wrong. First of all, the complaints about innovation, let's just revisit some investing basics here. Stocks do not go up because of innovation. That is not a reason that stocks go up in price. If a company's more innovative, it does not mean the stock will go up. So people saying that Apple's not innovating enough, therefore their stock price should go down, are making judgments based off of false premises. Stocks do not go up because of innovation, and they don't go down because of a lack of innovation. Innovation is not a driver of stock prices. If innovation was the primary driver of stock prices, then why is the ARK Innovation ETF that focuses on investing in all the most innovative companies in the world down 62% over the past trailing year. These so-called innovative companies are innovating at a faster pace than the rest of the market, yet this is the worst performing fund in the past year in the entire fund management industry. Well, again, the answer is simple. Stocks don't go up because of innovation. Stocks go up because of money, because of earnings, and because of free cash flow. Profits drive stocks upward not innovation. And one thing Apple is incredibly good at, even better than innovation, is making money. Last year, Apple made $92.95 billion in free cash flow. That's money left on the table after paying for all their capital expenditures for Apple to do whatever they want with. And the company does put this money to use. In most cases, they do what's called buybacks, which is buying their own stock. So that's the first problem with the Apple bears, with the people thinking this stock is going to get cut in half. The problem with this assumption is that you'd have to have a lot of people selling the stock and not a lot of people buying the stock. We know that there's going to be one big buyer of Apple stock all the time. And that buyer is Apple. They are chunking away at their share count every single year, lowering the amount of shares outstanding. Apple is the biggest buyer of their stock. So Apple's already a highly profitable company that anytime the stock dips, they can simply buy it back themselves further putting upwards pressure on the stock price. But that isn't the biggest reason 
that these Apple naysayers are wrong. There's another thing I want to focus on that, again, is left out of the conversation all the time when it comes to Apple. See, the problem is anytime an Apple event happens, everyone focuses on the hardware. They focus on the actual devices like the new watch coming out, the new form factor for the phone, if there's a new camera, the new AirPods. They focus on all the new devices, and that isn't the biggest growth driver for Apple. And because Apple's revenue has been flat for the past year, it hasn't really been growing overall. The past couple of quarters, it's been mostly around the same area. Apple skeptics will say that the company's growth is basically done. The company's reached maturity. It's going to be this old kind of boomer stock that just pays a dividend and it won't really have any strong revenue growth. The problem with looking at things through this lens of total revenue without breaking down the revenue is not all revenue is the same. Some revenue is worth a lot more than other revenue. For example, Walmart's revenue last year was over half a trillion dollars. It was $572 billion. This company has massive amounts of revenue. But yet a company called Microsoft is worth over five times what Walmart is, despite having less than half the revenue. How can a company have less revenue be worth five times as much? It's because of margins. Microsoft's revenue is more valuable than Walmart's revenue. And likewise, we can actually look at Apple's revenue segment breakdown. Apple earns revenue through different business lines, and those revenues are of different value. The most valuable part of Apple's revenue is the highest margin portion of their revenue called services. Services includes Apple Care, Apple Music, Apple News, Apple Fitness, Apple TV+, all of their app store sales, all of the stuff that's completely digital that has, relatively speaking, no marginal cost of reproduction. These are things that cost nothing to really make, but they can sell it to as many people as they want. Digital sales has high margin revenue, and this is a portion of Apple that's growing at a very brisk pace. Over the past four quarters, their service revenue has grown at above 12% per year. That is very fast growth on a consistent basis. That's faster than most companies. And this has gotten to a point where just last quarter it was $19.7 billion, up 12% year over year. This is just their service revenue. And what is driving all this service revenue growth? Well, it's subscriptions, the recurring revenue that Apple's working on growing. And I would say that they're doing a pretty good job if Morgan Stanley's research on this subject is anywhere close to correct. They estimate that Apple's growing their service revenue subscribers, the amount of subscribers, by 30 to 40 million new subscribers every single quarter. Last quarter, they estimated that they had 860 million subscribers. This chart is growing fairly quickly. It looks like a growth company. And this is the most important type of growth that the company could have. If the company was growing their hardware sales and their subscribers were going down, that would spell trouble for Apple. They'd be going in the wrong direction. But that's not what's happening. Their phone and device sales are going along as normal, but more importantly, their subscription revenue is growing. So when you see investors look at the total revenue for Apple and say that the company's growth is slowing, their top line revenue is slowing down, and they've obviously plateaued because they're not innovating, there's multiple wrong assumptions there. First of all, innovation doesn't drive stock price appreciation. Profits drive stock price appreciation. Apple's top line revenue is slowing. That's correct. But their most important form of revenue, the highest margin portion, is continuing to grow at a very high pace. And that is their subscription services. That's the reason that we can look at different ratios from Apple, like their gross margins. And even though they kept the prices the same during a time of high inflation, they will continue to keep gross margins of 42 to 43%. 
without increasing prices at all. That is because of service revenue, subscription revenue, and higher efficiency with their products. Apple stock isn't going to hit $200 because they're the most innovative company in the world. The reason that Apple will hit $200 per share is because they're going to make more money than any other company in the world. So as of right now, I do have a heavy bet on this company. I could sell and take profits, but I'm going to continue to hold it until I see the story change. Right now, I consider Apple to be a consumer defensive company like Kellogg's or Campbell's Soup, but they have better economics. They lock in customers, they keep them in their ecosystem, and then they eventually, slowly push them into subscriptions where they get very high margin revenue. That's the story of Apple, and so far I don't see that changing. Now, there's always a chance with every bet I make and every company I invest in that I could be wrong. So maybe in this case, the bears are right and Apple stock will go down to $100 a share, but I don't think that's going to happen. In my opinion, my thoughts on this and where my money is, I think this stock's going to $200 per share. So as of right now, I'm staying invested. Now, we do have to talk about Vici here for a minute because we had some great news from this company. This has been one of the stories that I think has been one of the cleanest investing stories in my portfolio, meaning the company operationally has been fantastic. The leadership has executed perfectly, in my opinion. They haven't made really any seeming mistakes. The stock price is appreciated. The dividends have grown. The operating efficiency in the company's profits have grown. And just recently, they announced an 8.3% increase to their dividend, bringing it to $0.39 cents per share per quarter from $0.36 cents per share per quarter. Now, I know if you're new to investing, an 8.3% increase doesn't seem like anything fantastic, but that is a substantial passive income increase for doing nothing. I literally did nothing for this stock to pay me more. And these profits aren't just because the company's paying out a higher and higher amount. It's because the company's actually growing their rents. They're growing their income, and then they're returning that from the companies paying them rent to me, the shareholder. So when I look at Vici, it meets all the qualifications I look for for a dividend growth company. It pays me a growing dividend on an incremental basis. It has stability. I think it has a wide moat. It has great leadership. And the stock is continuing to increase the dividend over time without me even reinvesting. Right now, I have $42,000 in this company. That's around 1,240 shares. So I am heavily invested in Vici. It's my second largest holding because of the appreciation the company has had. And I've really enjoyed the dividends that it's paying. Here's the company's dividends over time. The first one was $77. That's the first month that I was buying into the company heavily. I made a trip to Vegas. I saw how completely packed it was. I looked at different opportunities to invest there because I wanted to own a part of it. And that's when I started doing my initial research back in July 8th. I bought in heavily in the company, buying $20,000 worth. And then the more research I did, the more I invested in the company, even though the stock price at this time, October, it started to trend downwards. And I was receiving those those criticisms on YouTube, I continued to invest in the company, at one point over doubling my position. The dividends went from $262 per quarter to $400, then $406, and then the last one was $445. Now, I've done the math on what this 8% increase will be, and it will add around $200 per year to my Vici position, so roughly around $50 per quarter. So now, without me doing anything, with my share count being the exact same, with no drip, no reinvestment, my dividend will go from $445 to around $500 per quarter. 
That is a significant amount of income from one company, $2,000 per year from Vici alone. So even though I'm not actively buying Vici right now, and when they pay a dividend, I don't reinvest it back into Vici, I'm very happy about this raise. That 8% increase, bumping the dividend up to $500, makes it so that every three months I get to pick out what company in my portfolio deserves this capital? Which one is presently the most undervalued? And that further compounds the portfolio. And in terms of Vici's dividend raises and my expectations, this is well in line with my expectations. The company is a dividend grower. They've grown their dividend every single year since 2017, since they first started. I think they'll do the same next year, a 7 to 10% dividend raise. So thank you, Ed Petoniak and the team at Vici. I appreciate your hard work. Now, moving on, we have to talk about inflation, and I'll give you my prediction of the inflation reading tomorrow, as well as a call I made earlier this year. Now, before we jump into this news on inflation, I have to give a shout out for today's sponsor, which is the Joseph Carlson Patreon. If you have not tried out this Patreon, I promise you're missing out. The Patreon includes Qualtrim, which is a website I developed with a previous coworker that's a suite of software for investors. One of the big features on this is Qualtrim Insights. It shows you all the trending stocks of the day. You can plug in any company and see all the fundamentals displayed on a single page. You can blow up any of these graphs and it's updated instantly after their earnings report. We also include a summary of the company and related news articles and analysis on every company. Qualtrum also includes the dip finder, which shows you the trends over time of what companies are in a price surge and which ones are in a dip. And it includes a portfolio dividend tracking tool called Qualtrum Track. It displays your upcoming dividend, like I'm gonna get $183 from Texas Roadhouse on the 23rd. It shows you your growth in dividends over time. It shows you your holding weighting of your portfolio, your monthly income and dividends over a long period of time, your projected dividends in the future, and so on and so forth. There's a lot to this software suite and we're constantly improving it. And you also get access to a community of over 2,400 members where we have channels dedicated to discussing breaking news, episode discussions on my show. We have an AMA portion where you can ask me any question directly. And we have over 75 episodes of exclusive content, most of these being around an hour long. So there's a lot of video content as well. So if you haven't already, join the over 2,400 members. Try out the Patreon. It's $10 a month with a free trial. So there's zero risk to it. You can try it out for free. Now, getting back to this major news, we have inflation data coming in for August tomorrow. That's when we find out what inflation was like last month. It's trailing data, but it's still very important. It affects the interest rates. It affects the Fed's actions. And ultimately, it affects equity stock prices. So this is going to be the big piece of news that investors talk about for the rest of the week. The inflation data will be on the front page of Barron's and Wall Street Journal and Financial Times and everywhere you look. And I want to give a couple predictions and overall give more of an eagle-eye view of what direction I think inflation is going. Now, one thing that I'll mention is that the market overall, investors, and especially the news media, are very myopic, meaning that they don't take an eagle-eye view. They look at everything from month to month, week to week, and day to day. They're short-term focused because that's what generates clicks and money. But if you actually back up and take an eagle-eye view, we can see a clear trend in the way that inflation is turning out. This is what inflation looks like overall. This is the core CPI, which is when you rule out some of the more volatile portions of inflation, and you look at the core basket of consumer goods for inflation. This is what it looks like since January of 2020. It was normal at that point, going from 2% down to 1.3%. Then, of course, we had COVID. It actually went down a little bit when COVID first started, 
But then quickly, when the stimulus came out and supply chains got disrupted and everything happened, inflation started to spike, going up to 3%, 3.8%, 4%, and then climbing all the way to 6.5%. In March of 2022, inflation hit its peak, which was 6.5%. Now, at this time, inflation was only going up. If we erase the right half of this graph after March of 2022, there was nothing but seven consecutive quarters of inflation going up. It looked like the future was pretty grim, but I made a pretty contrarian video at that time saying that I thought it was the peak. I thought that inflation was going to go down after this point. The video that I released in March of this year was called Inflation is Going Down. Here's why. The thumbnail of it said, we hit the peak. A lot of people say that these type of videos are clickbait or that I'm just trying to get clicks there. But what I actually said in the title and the thumbnail of this video were my thoughts on where inflation was going. Now, my thought process and arguments in this video that I released in March were pretty simple. I thought that inflation has ran up to the max extent. Commodity prices were coming down. Fuel prices were starting to crack. And the overall year-over-year comps for inflation the previous year were going to become much easier based off of last year's core inflation data. So I thought there was a very good chance that inflation would start to go down. And that's really what we started to see. Just to put this in perspective, here's what the call looked like. This is when I said that inflation had hit a peak. It was exactly on the highest month. Now, I don't say this to brag, and I know that this is me highlighting one correct call that I've had, but this is a pretty significant call. I'll highlight when I get things wrong, when I make mistakes, but I'm also going to highlight when I make a correct call. This is the exact month so far that core inflation hit its peak. Every single subsequent month since March 2022, inflation has come down incrementally, even by just a small amount. Now, there's different analysis and projections on what the data will be released tomorrow. Most people believe that the overall inflation rate will be around 8% and that core inflation, this number here will go back to 6.1%. So it'll actually tick back upwards a little bit. That's where the consensus lies, but there are some people that think that it's gonna continue to go down, at least the core inflation. So we'll have to wait to see what happens tomorrow but even if it goes up a little bit in August, I still think overall most of these projections are correct. Over the upcoming six months, inflation and core inflation should tick downward. If that happens, it'll give the Fed more leverage to be able to do what they want. They may not have to raise rates as aggressively as they're projecting right now. And if the inflation data comes in underneath expectations for both overall inflation and core inflation, I could see investors really liking that news and stocks going up for another day. We had a green day today in anticipation of the inflation data. If it does do well, if inflation comes down quite a bit, I think we'll see another big green day. So that's my prediction in the short term. Nobody knows for sure, but I think overall inflation will continue to tick downward. And I think overall my prediction that inflation peaked in March will prove to be correct. Now that's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and subscribe if you haven't already. I'll have more commentary on upcoming news and I'm going to have more research on different companies that I'm actively buying. So if you want to see some in-depth research on these different dividend paying companies, make sure you subscribe with the bell icon.